Where is the story of life headed? Individually, globally, even cosmically, how does the story end? Are we on a downward spiral that will end in total destruction? It's easy to look around and see a world filled with violence and immorality and injustice and wonder whether the witness of the church to a better way will ultimately be silenced by louder voices. On the surface, our situation may seem bleak. Looking out at the world around, it makes us wonder if there's any hope for the future. But we are not the first generation to deal with these issues or ask these questions. In fact, the book of Revelation speaks directly to these issues, but we don't often benefit from the riches of this book because it's a difficult book with all its symbolic imagery. So I'd like to demystify the book a little bit and look at our reading from, from Revelation, see what we can learn from this vision. Just to bring you up to speed on where we are at the seventh chapter of Revelation, um, the, the book opens with seven letters written to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And this is a sort of telling the story of what, what, the, what the situation is like on the ground on earth. And then John sees a vision of the heavenly throne room. God is on the throne and he's holding a scroll on which is written the things that must come to pass. But the scroll is sealed with seven seals. And at first, no one is found who can break the seals. So here we are. We don't know what lies ahead of us. We have no sense of what's going to come, how the story is going to end. And at first, it seems hopeless. There's no one who can tell us the answer. And then the lamb approaches the Paschal Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. And the Lamb is found worthy to, open the, to take the scroll and to open the seals. And as a result of that, all the host of heaven break into praise and adoration of the Lamb in the same way that they has, have just praised and worshiped God on the throne. Then each of the seven seals is broken in turn. And each of these ushers in another aspect of the trials and tribulations of life. Not only back then, but also today. War, violence, famine, death, martyrdom, until after the sixth seal is broken, there is a dramatic pause. Before the seventh seal is broken, we get this beautiful literary interlude. And in that interlude is where our passage comes today before we get this final glimpse of what the things that are to come. In that passage, in that interlude, God promises first to seal and to secure his people from all of the trials and tribulations of life. And then in our reading today, he gives John a vision of what awaits the faithful at the end of the story, at the end of the story of history. It's as if John is saying, I know what you're going through. I know it's horrendous, it's difficult to deal with, but take a deep breath and remember that God is in control and that he has secured our ultimate victory, a victory of life over death. Likewise for us, it gives us a vision of that future salvation, that future joy in order to strengthen us 
through present trials. It tells us how the story ends so that we can not be overcome by despair, but we can live by hope in the present. So what does this vision teach us? First, it shows us the end of the story. John gets a glimpse of the future, and it's that same throne room that he saw earlier in the book, but this time there's not, it's the future. They have this great multitude that no one could number from every tribe and nation, and they're all praising God for the victory that he has accomplished through Christ and the salvation and life that it brings. Now, I know this is a divisive issue, but have you ever flipped to the last page of a book before you <laughs> I would never do that, but <laughs> um, some, this is, a, this is very controversial, I know, but some people really like to know where the story's going on fiction and mysteries, whatever it is. I was just talking to someone after the last service who said, I always read the last page of a thriller so I know everything's going to be okay. Um, so w- whether you do that or not in f- books of fiction, it's extremely important to know in terms of Real, the real story, the story of history, where it's going, where it's directed, where the end is. Um, and so John is showing us just that. He's showing us the end of the story. He is essentially flipping to the last page of the book of history. And he's saying this is the end, not just of his imagination, not just of human hopes and dreams, but this is the end that God has promised in Christ. The overall message of the book is that because we know how the story ends, we can face whatever comes in our own lives with confidence. So the vision shows us the end, but it also shows us the qualifications for that end, for eternal life. Think about who's present in that scene. A great multitude that no one could count. And here that's, as with much of Revelation, it's recalling the language of God's promise to Abraham He said, I will make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted because of their number. This beautiful promise that uh, is finally coming to fulfillment, and and John sees the end of the story, it has been fulfilled. Uh, But it's not just Abraham's ethnic descendants, not just one nation or ethnic tribe, but from every nation, all tribes, all peoples, and languages. And how are they described? They're robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. Palm branches, you remember we use those on Palm Sunday, right? They're a sign of victory, but they also recall the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles celebrates, uh, among other things, the way that God protected the people of Israel in their wilderness wanderings after they'd been rescued from Egypt in, in uh, slavery in Egypt and, uh, and guided to the promised land. And so John is applying that to our current situation, that we rejoice in God's new exodus, delivering us from the bondage of sin and death and ushering us in, shepherding us, guiding us to the promised land. Uh, The white robes, of course, a symbol of purity and holiness. Um, But you might wonder, how did they get the white robes? Where did they come from? A little bit further down, we read uh, in that interesting interchange between John and one of the elders there, um, uh, it says that... uh, John asks, I mean, the elder asks, who are these? And John says, you know, and the, and the person says, okay. Um, these are those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. In other words, it's not by living an exemplary life. It's not by 
ticking every box and filling every, fulfilling every duty. Uh, eternal life is a gift of God's grace by which we are cleansed from death, uh, cleansed from, uh, from uh, our sin and, and the, the prospect of death by the death of Jesus and made fit to fulfill our human vocation to serve God as a kingdom of priests, both now and for all eternity. So the vision shows us the end. It shows us the qualifications for eternal life. And it also shows us the blessings of eternal life. This is truly one of the most comforting and beautiful passages in the New Testament uh, because it emphasizes just these unspeakable blessings that God has promised. God will shelter them with his presence. Literally, it says God will pitch his tent over them. Um, and it, if, if that language doesn't ring a bell to you, it's, you know, there's so much richness in, the, in that, in the biblical story about God's dwelling with his people. All of creation really is an attempt to create a space where God can dwell with his people in a way that's safe and fruitful and, and, and edifying. And the tabernacle, the temple, and the Old Testament, these were all uh, advanced signs of this. They were uh, points along the way. The, this sort of climax of this whole story is what John says in his gospel, the word became flesh and tabernacled or pitched his tent among us. Um, this beautiful, uh, the sort of penultimate climax, if you will, uh, where we see our, the ultimate realization of that uh, in advance. So we have this promise that God will dwell with us personally. No more hunger or thirst, by which it means not just physical hunger and thirst, of course, but every good and natural desire fully satisfied. Um, no more harm or calamity. You'll be happy to know no more sunburn in heaven. Right? Uh, protected from every danger. How will this be? How will we find these unspeakable gifts? Well, it goes on to say, the lamb will be their shepherd. This is Good Shepherd Sunday. You probably thought I would never get to that, but Good Shepherd Sunday, where we, all the readings have the, that's this sort of common theme of uh, Jesus as our Good Shepherd. Uh, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd lives among his sheep, provides for their needs, protects them from harm, and that's precisely what Jesus does and what this passage promises. Jesus is our Good Shepherd, leading us not simply to food and safety, but away from every ultimate danger and to the satisfaction of our deepest longing, what this passage calls the springs of the water of life. And there's one more promise. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Every time I read this passage, I'm reminded of a story of a little girl who asked her parents, she was very curious about the new heavens and the new earth, new creation that God will one day bring. And so the parents read her this passage from Revelation 7, and they talked about the no hunger and no thirst and no more tears, how God will wipe away every tear. And a few, she's sort of thinking, they're not sure if she's really digesting it or appropriating it. A few weeks pass, and then she, from them, that point on, she starts talking about when we get to the place of no more tears. Just a, a, a beautiful image of what we have to come. Well, the truth about life's meaning and end cannot be found simply by looking at the world around us, but by placing 
the events of our earthly lives against the heavenly reality which God has promised in Jesus to bring to fulfillment on earth as in heaven. We will one day take our place among that great multitude that no one can count, ascribing to God the honor and praise of thankful hearts, sating our deepest longings from the source of life himself. And the trials of life, the suffering and pain we must endure, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Thank you.